And maybe that thing is childhood trauma. And maybe that thing is living in poverty. And maybe that thing is juggling three jobs. And maybe that thing is relationship problems. But our we only have so much capacity. And having an awareness of what is sucking that capacity lets us give ourselves grace for this is all I can do with the capacity that I have left. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet, over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey, podcast listeners. Thank you for clicking play and joining me here for another episode on the podcast. If you haven't already, I would love to hear from you. Here's the tricky part about podcasting. I don't get to see your likes, comments, or DMs because you're clicking play and I'm over here. So head into iTunes, leave the stars, leave a review. It also helps other people find the podcast. And then if it's too, if it's not too much of an ask, come and join me over on Instagram, say hello in the DMs and let me know what resonated with you today. I'm so excited to bring today's episode to you, largely because it's a conversation that I wasn't having with many people after I gave birth to my son and motherhood felt incredibly isolating during the time. We're covering conversations like anger and rage, resentment in relationships, and the changes in our identities. So today I'm joined by Diary of an Honest Mom's Libby Ward. She is a digital creator, speaker, and mental health advocate with a deep commitment to breaking the cycles of trauma And the really cool thing is the content that Libby puts out there reaches millions of women around the world. And she's been recognized as a mental health advocate by TikTok and has been featured on the Tamron Hall Show, CHCH, Global News, Motherly, Insider, and several media outlets around the world. She is focused on speaking about today's difficult and complex experiences of mental health. And she's helping women challenge their own perspectives of what it means to parent during this time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Libby, thank you so much for joining me here. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast and for us to actually bring some of our off-screen cameras into on here so people can sit with us and chat with us. I'm so excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I love your content. I love everything you do on the internet, on social media, in the world. And I feel like I've been waiting to have this conversation for a long time. So Mm-mm. looking forward. the feeling is mutual. And I was thinking, okay, when when did Libby and I come across each other? And I remember it was probably your TikTok around you not wanting to lose the connection with your husband during this season of young children. And it you know, it's so interesting having thought about my own journey on social media and sharing what I do and making what I do accessible for people. And really what that was about was because nobody was talking about how hard it is to be in relationship when you have young children. I mean, you know that no one talks about the resentment piece. Nobody, you know, shows up online after having had a couples therapy session and says, we just went through couples session, right? Like it's all the highlight reels. And then I found your, that TikTok of yours, it's on Instagram as well. And I was like, yes, here's a mom 
talking about how important it is to feel connected with your partner still. Absolutely. And so many people feel so lonely in it. I am continuously surprised by how many people to this day will message me and say, I can't believe you're talking about this. I literally thought I was the only one that was struggling with this. And it breaks my heart because, I mean, I've been doing this long enough to know, like, it is so many of us, no matter what the topic is that you're talking about, you know, we have so many shared experiences, but that like marriage or partnership after children is so hard. And then it's even harder when you think you're the only one and, and then you can't reach out or talk about it or find the tools to make it better. You're just stuck in that like loneliness and resentment and it just builds and builds and builds and builds. So I think we need to normalize talking about it. Like we need to normalize talking about a lot of things. Yeah. It it goes into that shame spiral, right? That it's like the one more piece that gets sucked up into I'm alone in this. I'm the only person experiencing this. What is wrong with me? And that is what I bring to my book when it comes out next year. Um, That piece around, yeah, I am a couples therapist. I know all the tools and skills. And yet here I am after having my children and I resent my partner. And why do we feel so far apart? It's hard, right? And then that piece that you're saying is like going into that shame and guilt where it's like, there's something defective about me. Absolutely. I know. I remember especially after my second born, the resentment that I felt towards my husband, simply for existing, for getting to leave the house to go to work, or the fact that he got to be in the car alone for 30 minutes on the way to work. All these little things that seem like little things that might just go away one day, but they don't go away unless you address them and unless you talk about them and unless you find solutions. And you can't talk about them and find solutions if you're just in a shame cycle and you feel isolated and the only one. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I really resonate with that in the sense of like, okay, you, and and I remember Greg would go to work and it's like, yeah, I'm really happy that you're going to work. And yes, I'm choosing, right? Like this choice piece, I'm choosing to stay home. I'm choosing to be with the kids, you know, in Canada, of course, you and I having the opportunity to take a longer maternity leave if we want. Um, And yet at the same time, it's like, I resent that you get to go and maybe like numb out for 10 minutes with nobody needing anything from you when your coffee is hot. And I'm here like, I can't meet anybody's needs. Can't meet my baby. I can't meet my toddler. The dog is barking. My coffee is cold. I'm crying because I haven't eaten yet. Right? It's just such a hard time. Yeah. And we seem to have this ridiculous myth that because we chose it, we're not allowed to acknowledge the difficult parts that come with it. Or we're not allowed to complain about it. Or we're not allowed to talk about it. Well, you chose this. But it's like outside of motherhood, anything in life, you don't know what something is going to be like until you're actually in it. And so there was no way to know how hard it was going to be, how much resentment you were going to feel. And even if you did, even if we are prepared with that information, it still doesn't mean that you can't talk about it, right? And you can't try to find solutions. And I think we have a lot, we have a long way to go in society where we can get to a point where someone can talk about the negative aspects of an experience, aka motherhood, aka marriage, and not be shamed for having negative feelings about it. Right. It's just like this shame that has been built into the narrative of if you do something, you have to accept everything that comes with it instead of being able to say, you know what, two things can be true. And yes. it, one of your, your reels really stood out for me, which is like, you know, we, we choose to go into this with all of this love and desire to give 
to our children. And yet the and part is there's no preparation. There's no support. There's no community around to help us. And it's like, that's just this concept of two things being true, right? This is hard. Um, and we did still choose it. Right. That power of and it's a beautiful experience and it's a privilege and it's really difficult. Yeah. What, what do you think has been the biggest thing for you to work through that shame and guilt that shows up for motherhood? Cause I know that's something that you talk a lot about. One of the biggest things that's helped me is actually sharing about it and talking about it, honestly, not just on the internet, on social media, but with friends, with other moms, with other women who are going through similar things. That moment of saying, I'm feeling X, Y, Z, you know, when I wake up in the middle of the night and the baby is crying and only I can hear the baby and my husband is sleeping soundly and he has to go to work in the morning and I know he has to keep sleeping And I'm so angry that he's still sleeping that I sort of want to do bad things because I'm so resentful and so angry. When you finally share that story with a friend and they're like, oh my gosh, me too. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Like that has really, like, that is a big piece. Like having that community, having friendship, having people who you can connect with and share those things with, that's really helped me to fight shame and guilt. I'm not void of shame and guilt. I still feel shame and guilt a lot, but I do find that sharing it with others really does, really does help. And I mean, you know, going to regular therapy and such things. (laughs) And the other things as well. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's zocdoccom slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom, and instead, my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using Loop Engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these Loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. 
The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Yeah, I think that's so important, right? With that shame piece. I did an episode in season one and I was so embarrassed um, like to, to even just bring it forward and to call it out and share it. I remember it being like, oh, this feels vulnerable. And it was me yelling at my child, which is like the experience that we all do in those moments, right? And the sharing with like even in the podcast space of then people saying, I needed this episode. Thank you so much, right? Like that I'm opening the curtains. I am showing what it is that I fear the most and people saying, yeah, me too. Because that's what shame does, right? It keeps us in the dark. It keeps us telling it's it's a me problem. I'm defective. There's something wrong with me. Right. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the age of our children. So our children are, are close in age. And when, I don't know about for you, but when my first was born, I didn't feel this sense of online, Instagram, TikTok, social community at that time. No, absolutely not. I actually felt as though social media was a trigger for shame for me oh. because when I up my social media all I would see was these you know perfectly posed Easter pictures and Thanksgiving pictures and holiday pictures and everyone just having a grand old time and sharing about you know their mom coming over to help them and how grateful they were for being a mom and how amazing it was and you know the people at that time in my life in my personal life mostly loved motherhood as well and so I was stood there like am I the only one like am I the only one like crying daily am I the only one angry at everybody in my life am I the only one this must mean I am a bad mom because if I don't see it reflected anywhere in my life and I'm the only one then that to me was a reflection oh you are a bad mom and it wasn't until I started exposing myself to moms with different experiences and reading different books and then all and then joining social media joining TikTok and seeing people reflecting my experience of motherhood that I was like oh it's actually a lot of us and just nobody has talked about it before and that just ignited my desire to share more and more and more about it because I was like if I felt like a bad mom for this long I'm sure there are other people who feel the exact same way and I yeah, I think back to like new mom me and what the social media experience was like then compared to now. And it's wildly different. Yeah, I, oh, I I can totally agree with that. And like there's the pros and cons, right? Like the the pros are all of the information that's available. The pros are the messy things that show up, right? That we're talking more about that. I think what you touch on there about the rage that moms experience is also really important because... I know so many people and myself included. I can remember well, so many people, I'll finish that, that, that sentence, that thought is that so many people experience this anger and this, the resentment and the rage inside, and they don't know what to do with it. And sometimes we get these messages of what's well, normal, or this is a you issue or all of the things. Right. And I remember it's interesting. It wasn't so much my children that actually were, was my trigger. It was my dog. 
I remember one time finally getting my six week old down. This is after my C-section with my first child and he struggled to go down for naps and we had a breastfeeding bottling feeding journey. That was a challenge at the start. And I'd like walk up and down the hall with my breasts out, trying to get him to latch and like, come on, just have a nap, feed nap, all of that. And then finally he's down. I sit on the couch. I like remember like letting out a breath and then my dog starts to bark and I absolutely lost it on him. I chased him down the hall so much so that I ended up falling over, scraping my knee and then crying even more and thinking, what's happening? What's happening to me? That I, I'm, this isn't me. I don't know this part of me. Where did I go? And it's that like primal rage, right? Like I'm imagining you like chasing this dog and like imagining that feeling that I had so many times in new motherhood where it's like this primal rage that is deep within me that you all of a sudden you can't control and you can't understand and you feel like an alien in your own body. And again, you enter that shame cycle. You know, once I got deeper into my, you know, healing journey, I realized for my whole life, I've been trained and conditioned to not feel my feelings and to not express my feelings and to not talk about my feelings and to just pretend everything's okay. And that's a lot easier to do when you aren't having none of your physiological needs met. You know, before you're a mother, there of course there's stresses in life. Of course there's relationship stresses and work stresses and all those things. But at the end of the day, you know you're going to have some time to yourself to recharge, to refill back up all those things. But when you're a mom and it's like every day, every night, every morning, every minute, someone needs you. There's overstimulation. You haven't slept. You haven't eaten. All these things. All it takes is this tiny little thing to send you over the edge and you no longer have the capacity to like hold it in anymore. And it's absolutely terrifying. It's like, you know that you're terrifying. You know that you're angry, but like you can't stop it. And it's so scary. I remember just looking at myself in the mirror after my second born and when I was like deep in the depths of like postpartum depression, which manifested as rage and being mm-hmm. like, I don't recognize you anymore. Like you are just an angry person. And I thought I was like, just a different person. And it's not a fun experience to have. And it's not something that you want to share with people because you're like, this is not who I am. And is it ever going to get better? Or am I just an angry person now? Yeah. And it's like, I, I think you're touching on two important pieces there. It's one, it's like, who am I? This isn't me. And then the other piece is, I never learned how to do this. Mm. It's interesting to feel my own triggers when my children get angry right? And that teaches us a lot about ourselves is when there's something in front of us and it triggers us. And it's like, well, what is this? And, you know, I I think many people can, can say we didn't learn about emotions or, you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, like there wasn't really like space for that. We didn't know how to put words to it. Our parents didn't know how to talk about it. And there's no space, right? So so then suddenly you're filled with anger. And and we know, right? Harriet Lerner talks about this in her book, The Dance of Anger. Have you read it? I haven't, no. Okay. Add that one on your book list. It's really it's it's a classic. Um, and it's a really good one. And she says basically what women were are, are taught to do, this hasn't changed. Women are taught to one, suppress their anger, hold it down, push it down to the point where they get resentful, right? We get bitter, we get cranky or we then if we're not holding it in and pushing it down we get 
um, into the venting space, which then were labeled as, you know, the angry bee and all the other things when we're venting at our anger, because essentially we don't know what to do with it, right? So it shows up in this motherhood experience. We've never been allowed to be angry. We don't know what to do with our feelings. And then it's like, whoa, who am I? Where did I go? And then if it doesn't come out in like anger, yelling at your dog and swearing at your dog, it comes out in little like nasty comments right? or like passive aggressive comments or our body language or our eye rolls or all those little things that are just like, I think of like this like kettle boiling on the stove. And it's just like that little like opening every time, like some steam needs to come out. Right. And it's like, it's full and it's boiling the whole time. But like, you just let out tiny little bits all day, every day, (laughs) instead of healthily communicating your anger and regardless, you're still seen as bitter and the B word and all those things, because we're not, not only are we not taught how to express it and it's not normalized, but I actually think a big part of it too, is that other people and men in particular don't know how to make space for our anger because it hasn't been normalized and because it's so abnormal and because we're supposed to be quiet So then when we do try to express healthy anger, and this is what I talk about in one of my videos that went viral about like mom rage, I put quotations around it. So I'm like, it's not always mom rage. Like sometimes we are rightfully angry about unfair situations and we are expressing that legitimate frustration. But when it's met with gaslighting oh well you're just you're just getting you're overreacting you're being dramatic you're being too much and when it's met with dismissive comments and invalidation and us being made to feel like we're crazy for experiencing anger or expressing anger it makes you feel crazy like it makes you feel even more spinny because you're like this thing is unfair I'm trying to communicate that I'm upset about it that I'm angry that I'm frustrated but it's not being met with empathy. It's not being met with understanding. It's not being met with like logic or validation. It's just being met with, you're not allowed to feel that way. You're too much. And then it just makes it even worse. And then you go back to being the kettle on the stove, just letting out little bits all the time and being seen as that resentful person. And it's like, maybe it's not mom rage. Maybe mom is tired and angry and frustrated and she's trying to communicate it in the best way that she knows how and no one's listening and it just makes her more mad because she's not seen because nobody sees her right like oh my goodness support for today's episode comes from cozy earth you know i am all about caring for ourselves especially in these busy years with our young kids we are pulled in so many directions but i think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us i should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature 
regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year, and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft, and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100-night sleep trial and a 10-year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. Yeah, it's it, it is it's so interesting to think because that partner dynamic there is so difficult. And I think, and you you know this, I've expressed this to you. One of my sheer frustrations with some some of the things that are happening with the narrative and motherhood is that the relationship piece is missed is missed. It's left out. So, you know, the conferences, the summits, the events, we're missing the relationship piece. I'm like over here like, hello, I'm here. (laughs) Don't forget me, right? Don't forget the relationship piece because it is that dynamic. And, you know, we can't completely fault our partners because of their lived experience, right? So in the heterosexual dynamic where our, our guys, they didn't grow up knowing how to sit with feelings. They too had the experience of, oh, you fell down, get up. There are bigger things to cry about, right? No sense crying over spilled milk. You scraped your knee. Get up. Come on. Go ride your bike. Be a man. Just go ride your bike. You're fine, right? I commented recently on your 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 child learning how to ride ride his bike, right? But so our, our partners show up and being like, whoa, what is this experience in front of me? I don't know what this is because no one has done it for me before. So then, of course, like this is like the most common thing I hear from the moms in my office and my community is like, my partner just dismisses me. My partner says, well, you chose this, right? Like in the heat of the moment, your partner's like, oh no, like alarm bells are ringing. What's going on with my partner in front of me? I don't know. Like she's supposed to hold it all together. And then what am I supposed to do? Well, you chose this. So like, come on, just like pull pull yourself out of it. Let's go. Which is the message that they received growing up for many of them, right? Right, right. But it just spirals us into even more of this invalidation, shame, my experience is not real. Nobody sees me. And it makes you feel crazy. And you're right. It's not about blaming men, right? No. It's not about being like men are the worst. But the reality is they have even less experience. They have even less um, space for having feelings, sharing feelings, sitting with feelings, all of those things. And really? so... It's not, we don't say that to say, oh, we'll just excuse that that's how they are, but it's acknowledging that that is their experience and there's work to do on both sides. Oh, much work. When you talk about, you know, the conferences, I think about the conferences and I think about social media as well. And of course, like I make a lot of motherhood content. And so I see a lot of motherhood content. And one of the things that concerns me is that so much when we look at the struggles of motherhood, the narrative is, as mothers, it's our job to fix our situation. Mm. All on us. It's a problem within us. It's that we're not doing enough self-care. It's that we don't have enough boundaries. It's that we uh, need medication for our mental health. It's that we need to lower expectations. It's that we need another chart for the kids. And it's not that those things are bad advice. You know, I talk about self-care and boundaries and all those things, but it's if we only ever look inside of ourselves and I need to fix me, 
what about society? What about about normalizing sharing feelings? What about the other parts that come with why motherhood is so hard? Because motherhood isn't just hard because of what we do or don't do or how enough we are. It has to do with our partnerships. It has to do with norms. It has to do with social health care. It has to do with so many other different things. And when we only ever talk about us and what we're doing or not doing, it just perpetuates this idea that it's our problem, that the problem is within us and that we alone have to fix it. Mm -hmm. That just makes us more angry. But I think a lot of people realize that that's what's making it harder, you know? Totally. So, so much more angry. Like, it's just, this is the piece where I love the work that Eve Rodsky is doing around talking about fair Mm -hmm. play, around um, women being paid equally, being respected for um, all of the work that they're doing, the expectation that, you know, women are working 95 hours a week in and out of the home and and then our pay is how much less, right? Like it's just this bigger societal piece of we do not acknowledge mothers, right? And it is it is a bigger piece to change. It's so hard. Right. right. There's There's so many pieces to it. And when you go on social media and when you go to conferences and all you hear are more things that you can do mm-hmm. to make it easier, it's like, okay, but when are we going to stop and talk about the pieces that I can't always control, but that do make it harder? And that's talking about relationships. And that's talking about what Eve Rodsky talks about in yeah. the workplace and, and so many other things. So it's good. That, like, it's good that we're having these conversations. Like, I mean, the number of people I've spoken to have, you know, their marriages have been completely changed by Eve Rodsky's book or, you know, by the work that you're doing or by the things I'm sharing, um, and I do love how the landscape is changing and how we talk about it, but there's a long way to go. And and my hope for women is just that they would know that number one, it's okay to feel angry. Mm-hmm. It's okay to express anger healthily. And just because it's not met in a healthy way, it doesn't mean you're not allowed to feel those feelings or that it's not valid. Yeah. I think that is so important. Acknowledging in that, that I think is, one of the things we can do, right? That's the choice we have is acknowledging mm-hmm. ourselves rather than waiting for everybody else to acknowledge us. And and I think that, I mean, I can speak on that in terms of my own journey of what I've often ex- felt as a mom where it's like, you know, I go to the grocery store and people are like, oh, you didn't put a hat on or it was a bit chilly or you're giving that to your baby versus when my husband goes to the grocery store with the babies, right? He comes home, he's like, oh yeah, they, you know, the women were fawning over me and said, oh, you're such a good dad, right? Like just that experience right there is like, okay, society fails me in this moment, but I am going to tap into, I am a good mom. I'm going to recognize those moments where I am enough just as what I'm doing. Right. And it's that piece of like knowing that parts of society make motherhood harder, but also knowing that having that knowledge allows you to give yourself more grace. You know, I think of like so many of the women who follow me who live in the United States and, you know, they're lucky if they get six weeks of maternity leave. Yeah. And they go back to work and they're feeling so, or they don't go back to work regardless of what decision they're making. There's guilt and there's shame and there's all these feelings that make them feel awful about themselves as mothers. And it's like, 
But if we step back and see that you're put in this position because of what's happening in society, you can then give yourself more grace and be like, oh, this isn't actually that I'm not enough. This isn't actually that I'm not doing the right thing. It's that this is the context I'm mothering in. And so I will give myself grace in this moment. So we get to use our awareness of like what's going on to then look at our lives and be like, you know what? Considering the circumstances, I'm actually doing a great job. Considering what's on my plate, considering how society treats me, considering all these things, I'm still showing up and I'm still doing the thing. And I still get to choose how I live my life and who I socialize with and what I do for work and and all these things. And I get to be in control over those feelings. And to toss those unhelpful thoughts of shame and comparisons and, right? So I just want to repeat what you said. We need to look at the context in which we are mothering in. And to externalize some of those, like to externalize that shame and guilt that, you know, and you talk about this in your community as well, of not having you know, that grandma to go and drop the kids off necessarily, right? So it's like, where's your community? Where's our village? We don't have that. Um, Or in terms of the work context, having to go back to work, how do you go to work? You're pumping in a closet and then having to go home and all the things, right? And so acknowledging the context that you are mothering in and then allowing yourself to have more compassion and kindness for you. You are enough. You are the mom that your child needs. Right. You're doing the best you can with what you have under the circumstances that you're mothering in. And that's all that you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, my oh, husband. Hang right on, can now, I, can I, sorry, I just want to add to that. And then how you were raised, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Like, okay. So you and I went, we went, we went to context. I'm like thinking of all of the circles, right? You exist in the small circle around you is your partner and your kids around you is the circle of your extended family. And then you've got school, community work, you know, the state you live in, the country you live in. And then it's like, yeah. And then you bring in all of those, you know, there's that child part of you inside. That's like, am I enough? Who sees me here? All of that, right. right? And the tools and resources that you have or don't have because of how you were raised. Yes. You know, in the guided journal that I created for moms to, you know, build more self-awareness, I really talk about all those pieces. We need to have an awareness of our partnerships, of our families, of our society, of our state, of our childhood, of our trauma, of our mental health, because we can't be setting ourselves the same expectations and standards and comparisons to someone who's living a different life, who has lived a different life and who has different tools and resources around them. Mm -hmm. And giving ourselves grace for how much energy it takes to maybe heal from trauma that we've been through, heal from our childhoods, unlearn some of the toxic behaviors and coping mechanisms we have, and then relearn the behaviors and coping me- mechanisms that are healthy, that takes time and that takes energy. And that's time and energy that you maybe can't put into things as a mom that somebody else who doesn't have to heal from those things can put in. And so it's giving ourselves grace for, I c- maybe can't do these things that I want to do, or I feel like I should do, but that's because my capacity is being taken up by this other thing. 
And maybe that thing is childhood trauma. And maybe that thing is living in poverty. And maybe that thing is juggling three jobs. And maybe that thing is relationship problems. But our we only have so much capacity. And having an awareness of what is sucking that capacity lets us give ourselves grace for this is all I can do with the capacity that I have left as a mother. I say to people all the time, you know, yes, you have this stuff right now from your childhood. And maybe right now is not the time that you are healing that. Maybe we are putting that on the shelf. We're going to come back to it. But right now you are trying to look after you and sleep and getting food during the day because baby is just six months old and it's a lot, right? Or six weeks old. And it's the same thing with our relationship. Sometimes our relationship is in a season of disconnection because our basic needs are not being met. And that is that that societal expectation on us where it's like, I birth a baby, I should bounce back, be, you know, um, one of my supervisors used to call this the Madonna whore complex where, you know, like I'm just all good and happy during the day, but then I'm going to be the whore in the bedroom for you, right? Like to come back to this. No, when your basic needs aren't there, how do you then get into bed and be intimate and have sex with your partner, right? Like you just can't put it all there. So anyone listening today, like if you're nodding along with us, acknowledge that something has to be taken off your plate. It doesn't have to all be done all the time. It's not possible. Right. And you can't prioritize everything all the time. Some days are days where you're going to prioritize your peace. Mm-hmm. or productivity or presence. Those are my three that I think, what is my biggest priority today? Is it presence? Is it productivity or is it peace? Mm-hmm. And that really helps me like throughout the day, be like, am I going to pressure myself to do this or am I going to let it go? Am I going to pressure or let it go? You know, last yesterday, the kids were home from school, the teacher, um, the support staff in our schools were on strike. And so my kids were home from school. My husband is away and I had a meal plan, but I got to 4.30 and I was like, I can't. I can't make the meal that is on my meal plan. And I know that if I choose to go into the kitchen and try to cook this meal while the kids are still arguing because they've been with each other all day and I'm thinking about all the work that I didn't get done and everything I have to do tonight, if one little tiny thing happens while I'm cooking this dinner, I'm going to snap. Uh-huh. I'm going to snap. And so in this moment, I'm prioritizing peace. And we are going to Domino's and we're using the 50% off coupon and we're getting pizza and we're going to sit on the couch and we're going to watch Bluey and eat Domino's pizza. And I'm going to prioritize peace, not productivity, peace, because we do it all, all the time. And I could only come to that decision because I've worked so much on this awareness of what context am I mothering in right now? What did my day actually look like? What capacity do I actually have? And without that, I would have been like, oh, no, 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 no. You have to cook dinner. You made a plan. You have to follow the plan. But instead I was like, nope, screw the plan. We're getting Domino's. And it worked. You have to cook the dinner, but then make sure you're present with your kids and make sure you're doing it in a calm, peaceful way. <laughs> like right. know, Those three pieces, I, I love how you've broken that down. Peace productivity or presence like you it's hard to tap into all of them at times what's the context of the day yeah right very rarely can we do all of those almost it's almost impossible you can sometimes juggle two of them at the same time right um you know being productive and organizing the bookshelf with your kids and being present in the moment sure you can do two um but can you, you know, can you do all three? Not likely. So it's it's really unrealistic to try and juggle all three. And sometimes you can only do one. 
And that's okay. I used to view it as what am I choosing? Am I choosing myself, my relationship or my family um, or my house? And my mother-in-law so graciously said, you know, Tracy, at one point I had to give that up. And I, I realized I couldn't do it all. I was like, okay, great wisdom. I love that. And then my mom, um, after having two kids, was she came up for a few days to help out. And she she did the whole, she's like, well, maybe you could just um, bring in someone to help you um, do deep clean. So I, I'm like, oh, because my house is so messy. She's like, no, because I see it's just a lot on your shoulders right now, right? And it was like those messages were really taken in and I can remember intentionally being in the kitchen one day and it's like I consciously choosing like, okay, the kitchen counters right now are not where like anxiety wants it to be. Cause like anxiety brain wants like just the cleared off counters. And then I see my partner over there on the couch and the kids have finally gone to bed. It's like, what do I choose in this moment? And I'm going to choose connection like this in this moment, it's connection. I want to connect with my husband. I want that time. But I know other times I've chosen the kitchen and that's okay too, right? But it's this piece of like acknowledging what are my pulls right here and then what is going to feel good for me in this moment, right? What do I right. need right now? I love right. that. And just because you're choosing connection right now, it doesn't mean you're choosing connection every time. And sometimes I think getting into that, this decision I make is permanent can stop us from making those decisions, I know I can be afraid of like, well, if I pull this thread, if I pull this thread and I leave the counters tonight, that's going to mean that I'm going to always leave the counters and my house is going to get messy and then everything's going to be chaotic and then I'm going to be more stressed and more anxious. And, and I, you go into this spiral brain of like, if I, if I let go of this, I maybe can't grab it back again. Aww. And it's getting out of that mindset of, no, like we can choose connection today and we can choose cleanliness tomorrow and, and that's okay. And it's, for me, I have to stop myself in my brain tracks and say, nope, this is just today's decision. Tomorrow, it can be different. And we're not just going to like lose hold of this spool of thread and have everything come crumb crumbling down around us. I love that. That is what we talk about in therapy is the concept of psychological flexibility, right? That when we're rigid, when we get stuck in that anxiety brain and that spiral, um, you know, we, whatever word you want to use it, catastrophizing, all or nothing thinking, the unhelpful thoughts that spiral in our brains, which we all have that, all the whole monkey brain. Um, but this is like acknowledging that to, to live well means to be flexible, sometimes something that worked yesterday isn't going to work today. Okay. I'm mindful of our conversation and I know I could just, let's just keep going. Now we're talking about anxiety. Let's go over there because I know <laughs> Libby, you have some really exciting things going on. So please tell the listeners what's coming out, what's what you're working on and where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me on TikTok or Instagram at Diary of an Honest Mom. And I am actually releasing a guided journal for moms who are struggling to struggle a little bit less and to work on that self-awareness piece. I released it to my communities as a freebie. And so many people were helped by it so much. They were like, can you actually just make it a physical journal that I can open and write in? And I was like, yeah, we do that. So that'll be coming out in the next few weeks. Um, I'm so excited to release that and hopefully help help some moms get yes. a little bit more connected to themselves. And of course you can find me on my website at diaryofanhonestmom.com. I will put all the links there and link to the journal as well so that others can find it. Libby, thank you so much for 
opening your life to others, to mothers, um, for being vulnerable with other people. And it's like pulling back that curtain, right? And saying, hey, this is what I'm experiencing. You are not alone. You matter. This is normal. And I see you. So thank you so much for, for sharing all that you do, but also for sharing with us here today. Following up from our conversation today, I want to emphasize that if you are struggling with increased anger, low mood or sadness, or struggling to get things done during the day, or maybe you feel more anxious than normal, you can reach out to a licensed mental health care provider. Please note that many providers do not need a referral to them because this is a self-referral service, but I do recommend that you contact your insurance provider if you have one to see what is needed in terms of having that service covered by your provider. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. And as I like to end my podcast episodes, I want to remind you that you are right where you need to be. Remember, this podcast is for informational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. Have a great week and I'll see you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.